This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag or Rotoviz Podcast. This is the November 1st episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today, we are talking to Mike Taglier, who is the lead NFL writer and analyst for Fantasy Pros. He is the co-host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. He's been a top six ranker twice in the accuracy content. His primer is legendary, one of the top fantasy football analysts in the industry and he's someone who's always active on twitter interacts with people on social media gives them great advice he's an amazing fantasy mind wants to help everyone win their fantasy football championships and he usually does so he's a legendary follow for me and everyone on twitter at mike taglier nfl and he's the best person to get us ready as we start to jockey for position down that fantasy football home stretch week nine's upon us mike welcome to the show i always follow you carefully it's like having ef uttenhorn welcome to the road of his fantasy football mailbag oh no man i appreciate you having me on it's always good to talk football and uh you know doing podcasts is uh something i still enjoy man i I write so much that it's nice just to sometimes talk to people and get some interaction uh because as you know we're just crammed inside of our offices this time of the year and uh yeah digesting all this football information so i thanks for having me on you do so much great work of course the primer is something that's your your baby here that we go to every week and we wait that gives us such wonderful information but every analyst i've had on this year i start with the same question i I want to know how you got started. You reveal that a little bit. You give us some nice insight into how this happened through the primer and through your interaction on social media. But how did you get your start in fantasy football? And when did you kind of realize, you know what, I could really make this something big? Uh, so it, it started because I, I had back surgery and it's really weird to say that, but I, I had to have back surgery, like major back surgery that had me laid up and they said it was a year recovery. So while going through therapy for all that, I, I was just bored at home and I started, I was writing a, a paragraph on like every fantasy football player, just like almost like as a way that whenever I wrote something, I would always go back and look at it and be like, huh. I wrote this like, okay. And it, it's, it's a way to talk yourself through decisions. Like if you're ever torn about like who you're going to start in your fantasy football lineup, the best thing to do, is sit down, literally just write a paragraph in each player and you're going to figure it out on your own. So I, that's what I always did before our fantasy football drafts. And, uh, the one day my wife goes, why don't you do anything with the writing that you like with the stuff you do with fantasy football? And I was like, I mean, who wants to read my stuff? It's just my own personal notes. And, um, she's like, well, if you had a website, what would you call it? And I was like, I don't know, tagsfantasyfootball.com. And five minutes later, she's handing me her laptop saying that she bought me the domain. And ah, that she that's wanted awesome. Me to, that's awesome. <laughs> that she wanted me to start a, a website. And it's kind of crazy how everything works out, um, with life. But I, I would say that 
that's where the journey started. And I wrote, I had my own website that I didn't make any money on. I, like it was like uh, about four years before I got a part-time gig with PFF and then like slowly worked my way up and, you know, eventually being full-time in the industry. But I would say that the the time that I realized that it was something that I could do or, or would do for a living was when my wife told me to leave my full-time job to pursue it full-time. And it was like her knowing that I was going to take a massive pay cut to leave my career and, 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 and try and pursue this on a full-time basis. And like, I only had a contract through the end of the season and it was like, at the end of the season, I'm like, well, what the hell, what do we do? And she's like, you're going to do it because this is what you were meant to do. And when someone that you love that much and like, you know, puts that much faith into you, uh, you, you have no, like failure is just not an option. And I, I know it sounds so corny, but I, I wrote a story about it in the primer and saying, my dad had always told me growing up, you could do anything you put your mind to. And I always thought it was just like, you know, one of those corny motivational tactics and stuff like that. But it's it's something that I need to find a way to deliver that message to my kids uh, because I didn't, as a kid, I was a smart ass about it. And I would tell my dad, like, oh, dad, if I wanted to be as fast as Carl Lewis, I could never do that. And, uh, you know, it, it's weird to grow up and then like chase your dream and, and accomplish it and say, wow, if, if you really, if you do like dedicate your life to something, you can make it your career. So it was a long journey, man. But I, I will say, I will say this is that I, I would be nowhere without my wife. You know, that's so true. And the support behind the scenes is essential because you have the long hours and the writing. That's a fantastic story. And I remember reading the one too, where you mentioned your father, he must've been so instrumental because I mean, that that's it. Is you're chasing a passion here, especially now social media. A lot of people ask me, how do you get started? You just got to love it. You have to get after it. You have to grind. You have to love it. And you can't sit around waiting to be hired full time and just get the big salary. It doesn't work that way. No, it's true. And like the, the crazy thing is, is like people like that run into me that know me from the podcast or whatever, they'll ask me about getting started. And, it, and it's funny because I have friends that, you know, they love sports and they're like, oh, if I want to get in the industry, what do I have to do? And I tell them what to do. And then they sit down and they have to write. And I'm like, you have to write, just sit down and write a thousand words a day. Just do it. And they, after like a, a week or two, they're like, what do I write about? I'm like, that's part yep, of the challenge. And, and they start losing the passion because once you start writing, once something becomes your job, most people stop loving it. It's like, it's like, you know, I, I enjoyed playing video games when I was younger, but then when I like started to stream video games, it became kind of like a job. So it was like, mm, uh, but football is, is my calling because like I legit don't get tired of it. I, I wake up in season. I wake up anywhere between uh three 30 in the morning and five 30 in the Jeez. morning to start yep. working. I usually work until, uh, we go and eat dinner. I work, I, I usually write up one game after dinner and like around Eight o'clock is when I'll spend like two hours with the family, go to bed, do it all over again. Uh, but my the thing is, is, my wife understands that and she knows that this is what I was meant to do. I remember things that happened in an NFL game three years ago, but I, she, I can't remember something about our relationship. And she <laughs> but she accepts it. She accepts that that's the way that my brain works. Um, but I wrote a story about her in the primer today and it was quite funny. So she we jab each other, but she's a. Uh, She's, she's the rock man. Uh, that's a great story. We had some great ones too. Chris Raybon and yourself right up there. That, that, that's tremendous. We had a myriad of news heading into week eight. There wasn't as much in week nine. Trade deadlines sort of came and went. But the biggest was Kenyon Drake's trade to Arizona. Chase Edmonds out for a few weeks with a really bad hamstring injury. And David Johnson rumors are flying. Is he coming back? You know, Was he getting traded? Does Drake move the needle for you at all? He's got a brutal upcoming schedule before their bye. Two games against the Niners, including tonight, and then at Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, he, a little bit just because it's hard to find a starting running back that has any value nowadays. And 
you know, knowing this offense does want to run a lot of plays, even though that's even dipped over the last few weeks, uh, we've seen this offense struggle. The good news for Kenyon Drake is that he's going to a team that uh, the running backs there have have averaged 1.99 yards before contact, uh, whereas, you know, back when he was with uh, Miami, he was averaging, I think it was 1.14 <laughs> yards before contact. So it was like one of the worst in the league that all, both offensive lines are bad, but knowing Kingsbury spreads the offense out, it should allow him more room to run. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that Chase Edmonds is a is a fantastic runner. He's not. If you watch that game against the Giants, he was just running through a defense that left truck size holes. Kenyon Drake's a great three down back. I don't think David Johnson's going to be playing anytime soon. I don't think they make that trade for for Kenyon Drake when they could have got some guys off the street to kind of fill that role. We know that this Arizona team is not they're not winning anything right now. But when David Johnson comes back, maybe maybe next week, maybe the week after, uh, it's it's going to be a timeshare. I don't think you're ever I don't think you're going to see a running back in this offense have more than RB two value on a weekly basis, just because. I think we've proven that David Johnson is his body's not holding up. Chase Edmonds, obviously, you know, dealing with a hamstring injury after having one big week of a workload. So, yeah, you just don't trade assets for a, a rent a player, a guy that you're going to use for one week. So he moves it a little bit, but the matchups are so tough. It's like I think I have him ranked as like the 26th running back this week. So nothing crazy. I agree with you. I do the waiver wire article for Action Network, and it was so thin at running back. All I put in was Rashad Penny. I just I, I made a stand, Mike. I'm not putting in Ronald Jones again. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> but I, I, I pretty much said if you can get Kenyon Drake and you, you're really desperate for a couple weeks, fine. He's going to get volume. Listen, if Mark Walton is being talked about, he can be in Arizona even with tough tough matchups. But I agree, he doesn't really move the needle enough, especially when Edmonds is probably going to come back after the bye. Yeah, that's basically where I'm at with it. And I I mean I like what you said about. Uh, Ronald Jones by not willing to do I was willing to hold on to him through the bye because I was like you know when you have a bye week it allows a team to kind of change things and how they do things and I said hold on to OJ Howard hold on to Ronald Jones because with their bye it's like we have two weeks for them to kind of change a little bit and I was hoping to see that out of the uh, the bye week and unfortunately it it wasn't great um, to see the timeshare it's it's like a I wrote it up it's like a 46 43 and 11 split in that backfield like nobody's getting 50% of the work uh, it, it's really ugly there but this is the time of the year where you you tr- you understand that bye weeks are going to be difficult. Don't grab a guy that's going to get you three points and be like, well, I have to put something in there. I would rather roster someone that is a potential league winner. Like you said, Rashad Penny, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, even Kareem Hunt now. Uh, these, these are guys that you keep on your bench and... If something happened to the starter, everyone will run to the waiver wire and use every single dollar they have. You know, they will be willing to spend 100% of their fab uh, to get that player because they're, they'd be a league winner. Uh, have those guys in your bench before they have a chance to grab them. There have been some major fantasy disappointments so far this season. Players that were, people were really high on, they've underachieved. Want to get your take on whether these players can somehow turn it around and, and finish strong this season. Joe Mixon, talented guy, Mike, but just not producing there behind a terrible offensive line. Yeah, it's it's brutal, man. That offensive line, not only are they bad to begin with, but they were missing three starters on the offensive line, uh, I think, two weeks ago. And then like there was, there was two games in there that where they were missing literally the backup to their backup. Uh, the And the problem with Joe Mixon right now is that he's not being used in the passing game. And it makes absolutely zero sense to me because Mixon, he's a running back that reminds me of Le'Veon Bell quite a bit. He's actually more of like a downhill runner where he's not going to dance behind the line of scrimmage as much. But in the passing game, his hands are there. If you go back to his time in college, he was a great pass catcher. Uh, I don't know why they're not using him in that role. Uh, like if you look at the in terms of his routes run, he's like one of the 
worse starters. Like he's not really being treated as a true three down running back. And it's really concerning knowing that AJ Green's coming back. It's the targets are just, they're just not there for him. So I do think he's going to continue to struggle. But if you're in a dynasty format, I think now is the time to buy Joe Mixon. What about the Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster? Super nice guy by all accounts. Not a diva at all. That may be working against him a little bit here, although with Mason Rudolph against the Niners and then last week against the Dolphins, he started to show some life. What do you think about Juju rest of the season? I love Juju the person. I love Juju the player. I hate the situation. Mason Rudolph is just not very competent. And I know that the stats people are Bobby on our podcast. He tried telling me that uh, Mason Rudolph is a better real life quarterback than Jared Goff. And I just laughed. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even have a comeback for it. Um, but Mason Rudolph, I, I think people saw, you know, in the primetime game that he didn't look very good. I know he got things together a little bit, but that that was the Dolphins, guys. It was, you know, Xavier Howard had to leave the game and that thing started coming together. The all out blitz to leave, leave them run wild through the secondary. I, it was it is what it is. But Mason Rudolph is not a very accurate quarterback. Uh, Juju was Juju should have had a bigger game against Miami. He was open a few times, just flat out missed him. Uh, so I'm a little worried with him. Uh, he's still in the in the low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three conversation for me most weeks, uh, just because the, the volume has been semi decent and he's been able to rack up yardage. But the touchdowns, I mean, they've been somewhat fluky where he's running a lot after the catch. And unfortunately, he's going to have to keep doing that. And it's just not sustainable. A player I was really high on in the preseason was Jaguars wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. I think a lot of chips like in Plinko fell the wrong way for Westbrook. A Foles, who's a stationary passer versus Minshew. D.J. Chark has exploded. Now Westbrook is injured. He was starting to see an uptick in volume. If he gets it together here, can he make a push? Pretty nice schedule for the Jaguars end of season. Yeah, I mean, he's someone that I was willing to play in good matchups. Uh, it, the, the target share was, it was unfortunately, it was kind of all over the place. Like there was a matchup that I was willing to use him against the Saints that I was like, oh, I'll play him in DFS. And this, I think he had eight targets in that game. He didn't do much with them. Uh, and I, I said it afterwards. I was like, if I knew he was going to get eight targets against PJ Williams, I'd play him again. Uh, but it's just, I don't know what they're going to do with Foles. They paid him so much money. I really hope they don't go back to Foles because Foles, that's why I didn't like D.D. Westbrook actually coming into this year is because I didn't think Foles was going to score many points in terms of like what he could do with that offense. But I don't, I also don't think that people realized how good D.J. Chark was going to be. Uh, Westbrook is like, he's like that wide receiver four. He's a fringe guy where it's like you could probably start him as a wide receiver three most weeks. But I mean, now he might not play in this game against Houston and then they have their bye week. So it's, I'm, I'm like 50-50 on him. And finally, Rams wide receiver Brandon Cooks. That Rams offensive line has changed things. Jared Goff certainly looks a little bit different when he gets under pressure, does not have a very good completion percentage when he's pressured. Uh, Cup has been amazing, was fantastic over in the pond. Brandon Cooks, he's trying to get out of concussion protocol, but has not had that boom week yet. Is it coming? I mean, it might at some point. And if you find someone to buy him on name brand value, I might do it. Uh, if you look at Jared Goff, the reason that I'm a little concerned about Cooks, it has nothing to do with the player. I love Jared. I, I love Brandon Cooks, the player. It has to do with Jared Goff. And if you go back to when Todd Gurley started struggling last year, that's when Jared Goff kind of like just fell off. And I know people like the, 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 you know, everybody looks at the recent games and they're like, Oh, Jared Goff's playing fine. Look at the defense he's, he's played over the last couple weeks. Uh, but Jared Goff over the last 16 games with playoffs included, he's thrown 18 touchdowns in the last 16 games. That's not going to get it done when you have guys like Cooper Cup, guys like Robert Woods, the running backs obviously involved, Jared, Gerald Everett's getting involved. Uh, so the, 
there might be a boom week in there. Sure. Maybe you wait for that week to happen before buying Brandon or before selling Brandon Cooks. But knowing that this is his second concussion this year, he's dealt with concussions throughout his career. Um, I, I'm, I'm not high on this offense at all. Like people are all over Daryl Henderson saying that you need to grab him off waiver wires. I don't think he's a league winner, even if something does happen to Todd Gurley. 18 touchdowns in 16 games is not going to get it done. But I'll tell you what does get it done is Ship Station. Holiday rush is coming. You sell stuff online. You need to get ready with Ship Station. My wife's birthday is Monday. I'm using Ship Station to get things delivered. Just a few clicks. You can manage orders, pricing labels, get these products delivered out the door and delivered on time in the holidays. My experience has been great. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, Ship Station brings all the orders into one simple interface, making them easy to manage from any of your devices works with all major carriers ups fedex everyone you can compare and choose the best shopping solution for you and the customer they have huge discounts on shopping costs now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for those big fortune 500 companies take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year let ShipStation handle it with ease use the offer code blue b-l-u-e to get a 60-day free trial that's two months free no hassle stress-free holiday shipping just visit shipstation.com Click on the microphone, the top of the page there, and just type in blue. ShipStation.com. Enter enter offer code blue. Makes ship happen. ShipStation. Mike, we always want to zig when everyone else zags, and I think that now is a big buy-low time for the Chargers' Melvin Gordon. They got rid of offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt. He was fired this week, and I think this could signal the unleashing of Gordon. He's one of those rare three-down bell cows. He has Green Bay at Oakland. Not going to be easy. Home Kansas City, though, coming up. Does Melvin Gordon finally give us a strong end to the season that we've wanted? He's one of the best by lows in fantasy football. Uh, he's a guy that I'm willing to go out there and, and snag right now if someone's low on him. He's actually a good DFS play this week uh, for 5,000 on DraftKings. But Agree with that. Not, yep. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've run the ball 15 times per game over the last four weeks. That's not nearly enough for someone to get in any sort of rhythm. Um, and for all those out there that are like, oh, put Austin Eckler in there. Stop giving Gordon touches. I think they're so busy watching Melvin Gordon struggle is that they they haven't realized that in that same time frame over that since Melvin Gordon's come back, Austin Eckler averaged 1.9 yards per carry so don't tell me it's just about melvin gordon sucking he doesn't suck he's still the same player this is still the same team they need to run the ball more and i do think it starts this week against green bay so yeah i'm a a big fan of of buying melvin gordon at basement prices right now that austin eckler trade window was open then it started to close then he caught that long pass down the sideline against tennessee and i think it stayed open for one more day but right now you should have got rid of austin eckler they're going to feed gordon they certainly are and i think this is a very good dfs play agree with you on that one multitude of moves from last week they all have these little tentacles right for the rest of the season not really a great trade deadline action day it's almost like the action was that week before so i want you to take a look at these players from the prior week that were either moved or maybe have a a positive result from someone else being moved and talk about their effect moving forward 49ers wide receiver emmanuel sanders he came over caught a touchdown can he be a legit fantasy wide receiver one no, not a wide receiver one. This team, the defense is just playing so well. Garoppolo is, uh, the, the pass attempts haven't been there. I want to say that he has not attempted more than 34 pass attempts all season. And I don't think they want him to throw the ball a whole lot. They, they, they rotate this running back, um, this running back time shoot they have, and it's worked. I mean, there's no reason to change that. Sanders is more of just like a reliable target when he gets into a pinch, a guy that he can go to. I don't see him averaging any more than maybe six, seven targets per game. And knowing that, it's just very difficult to get into that wide receiver one conversation. I kind of view him as like a, a wide receiver three type. I I think I'd still rather have someone like maybe like John Brown. 
Oh, that's a good one. John Brown's a good one because he's locked in. John Brown, one of those few receivers this year, people don't realize that has at least 50 receiving yards in every single game. That's a, that's a great comparison. Right church, different pew. Let's talk about Bronco slot man Deshaun Hamilton. I'm a little bit of a truther on him, Mike, so full disclosure here. <laughs> I, all Penn State players do well in the NFL, right? Barkley, Godwin. Uh, can Hamilton have like a low-end wide receiver three impact? I mean, now we have Brandon Allen, but he's a guy who should have benefited there once Sanders left Denver, but is he going to? Unfortunately, no. Uh, this was actually something I put on Twitter uh, a couple weeks back when I, when when they traded away Emmanuel Sanders. I was uh, people were talking about Deshaun as a, as a pickup, and I'm like, guys, he's still playing the same role. I don't think people realize that, and that's the thing is that's that's basically I, I shouldn't expect everyone to understand that Emmanuel Sanders wasn't playing the same role that he did last year. Because I, I remember when Emmanuel Sanders got hurt last year, Deshaun Hamilton started performing, and, and people wanted to correlate that. But it's a different offense, it's a different team. Emmanuel Sanders was only playing in the slot about. 20 percent of the time and Deshaun Hamilton has been in the slot unfortunately the offense just hasn't targeted him a whole lot there were there were two games this year where he actually saw zero targets it seems like Noah Fant is someone they would prefer to go to now going to Brandon Allen ew like it's it's gross I didn't like it even with Joe Flacco on the team I mean I guess it's possible that there's a connection here between Deshaun Hamilton and Brandon Allen but I'm not seeing it. I just don't like this offense in general. So I'm not going to look to attach myself to a receiver that is averaging, you know, just like maybe what three targets per game. The only reason I ask this next one is because we look ahead right to the fantasy playoffs. And for some reason, I feel like that week 16 Dolphins Bengals game could actually swing fantasy championships (laughs) in some way. Mark Walton with the Dolphins. Drake is gone. He had a massive amount of touches last week for the Dolphins against the Steelers. Is he fantasy relevant? Can he be like an Elijah McGuire impact here, uh, even for the Dolphins? That's basically what you're looking at, like a bi-week replacement. He was someone that I, I told people to pick up a couple weeks ago because you saw the snaps trending in his direction. And you saw the touches getting there. Like he's totaled at least 12 touches in each of the last uh, three games. So it's not just like this one game without Kenyon Drake. He had 15 touches with Drake on the roster the week before. Uh, so they were trending towards him. My concern with him is that this team obviously has very, very little scoring opportunity. And uh, he's not getting goal line carries. They're pulling him out of the game for Kalen Balaj when they get in that territory. Territory. Um, and now there's only been, to be fair, there's only been six red zone or uh, six carries inside the five yard line for this team. Uh, but but Kalen Blage has received five of them. So that's my concern with him. He is a three down back. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick is under center, he doesn't target the running back position a whole lot. So I like Walton as a floor player through bye weeks, but I don't think he presents like a massive ceiling or anything. Outside of that David Johnson, Chase Edmonds disaster of Week 7, the biggest frustration for fantasy owners recently has been Ty Johnson not starting last week in favor of Trey Carson. Do you trust Ty Johnson moving forward? They're facing a Raiders team that stops the run. Johnson got missed on a possible touchdown pass there from Stafford. Had a couple long runs called back from holding. So do you think we should go back to Ty Johnson possibly in DFS this week? I don't think you need to. I think there's a bunch of other plays, the running back position, and it, it's really tough, right? Because like the, like the running back spots that you have in your DFS lineups are so valuable uh, that you don't want to kind of like take them for granted. Uh, so it, there's so many good running back plays this week that it's it's tough for me to do that. This is a backfield that I'd prefer to wait on. Uh, I look back at this and Trey Carson is a guy that he played. So the running back coach for the Lions, Trey Carson played under him uh, back in Cincinnati. So there was a connection that I didn't I didn't know existed until uh, after this game because it made me look a little bit closer into Trey Carson that nobody really knew that why he got the carries he did. Uh, but I went back and rewatched that game, actually, because I wanted to take a closer look at the backfield. 
Ty Johnson is the best running back on that roster in terms of what they what they can do. Uh, he's a three down back. He did drop a pass down the sideline last week, uh, but he was trusted. Like after that, they still went back to him in the passing game and he, he did fine. Uh, he offers a little bit more versatility, uh, whereas Trey Carson, the biggest run he had was, a, I think, a 12 yard carry that was through a massive hole. So I don't trust Trey Carson, obviously, but Ty Johnson, it's like. He's a guy that, you know, you have four teams on by this week. You have six teams on by, I think, next week. So you, you probably want to hang on to him just as like someone that you could probably just stick in your lineup during bye week hell. But uh, he's not someone that I would really trust. Folks, the reason you need to follow Mike Tagliere is because if you combine what he said so far, I picture him waking up at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> saying to his wife, I'm sorry, hon, I got to go figure out why Trey Carson started over Ty Johnson. That is the <laughs> level of analysis you get from Mike Tagliere. What does anyone want? I, I mean, that, that really shows it's a passion, right, Mike? My goodness. Yeah. No, no, I, I appreciate that, man. And that's the stuff that does wake me up. Like if I get an idea that I'm like, oh, I should have put this in a spreadsheet and I'll, I'll wake up and I'll do it. Like she thinks I'm nuts sometimes that, that I'll get out of bed at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning just because like something's on my mind. And when something is on my mind, I cannot sleep. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an addiction for sure. But it's something that I was apparently meant to do. Well, let's turn to music. What's your favorite American band of all time? Oh, uh, this one's easy. It's Corn. Um, I'm a, yes, yes, I, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge Corn uh, guy. I've um, I followed them since I was in high school. Like it, they got me through some tough times. Like you know, growing up, every kid goes through whatever, and you find your outlet. And they were that outlet for me. And for whatever reason, the music just always spoke to me. And even today, like you know. I appreciate music that just they, they they let out the their emotions in a good way. And I know some people music is music and everybody hears it in a different way. But uh corn like Jonathan Davis, like the vocalist, is always just like I, I can feel like what's going on in his life when I you know, when I listen to him sing and it's almost like I hope like you just said, like the, the, the passion I put into my writing for football and like what I have the passion I have towards it. I want people to feel that about, you know, my writing be like, he may not be right all the time, but geez, like he puts a lot of time into it and he wants to get it right. Uh so yeah, I've seen them live. I think uh I think the count is up to thirty six times now. So I uh, think I, awesome. I think you could say that I'm a diehard corn fan. So if there's anybody listening that knows corn or uh, I've met them a few times, but I would like to like sit down and actually talk to Jonathan Davis. That's like a that's like a dream of mine. That's like a bucket list thing. Corn uh, definitely had some corn songs on my race mix as I was getting there warming up <laughs> and, and running when I was younger. Absolutely. Yep. I have a question here from a listener. Handicap the fantasy value for the Falcons offense moving forward. No Muhammad Sanu now. Does that mean more targets for the current tight end one Austin Hooper? Can Calvin Ridley finally get that consistency that matches his talent? Is Devontae Freeman done? Talk about Muhammad Sanu's departure and how you see the Atlanta sort of touches moving forward here. Yeah, I mean, the the loss of Sanu does definitely favor Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley because what I found in like in terms of like targets correlating tight ends and wide receivers don't correlate so much. It's more about like running backs and tight ends. So if we started seeing Devonta Freeman targeted more in the passing game, it would almost mean less for someone like Austin Hooper. Uh, so I... This move, this the, the trade of Sanu doesn't really move Hooper for me, but still, if we were drafting today, this is a conversation I've had. Is that I think Austin Hooper would go in the range that you were drafting George Kittle and uh, Zach Ertz is like you know that early third round pick, late second round maybe. Uh, like he's done it on a consistent basis. There's really no reason to doubt him. This this defense is pathetic. Uh, they have absolutely nothing going on on defense, so they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. That's why I keep going back to thinking Devonta Freeman's going to come with some value. Uh, reportedly, they were shopping him around the trade deadline that he almost went to the Lions. So, I, wow, I, wow! It seems like the Falcons are ready to move on. I want to say this is the last year of his contract, so they could use him, abuse him, and kind of just you know move on. So, uh, Devonta Freeman, 
I think that he does offer RB2 value in, a, in an offense that should score, you know, 24 plus points per game. That has value in fantasy football. So ridiculous. I'm kicking myself in one league where I picked early in the first round, late in the second. I said, you know what? I'm going to handicap the Chiefs backfield, grab Damian, and then I ended up grabbing Darwin Thompson around the area that Austin Hooper was drafted. I mean, I'm just kicking myself. And then, of course, McCoy goes on the team a couple days later, and that has gone up in flames. Uh, question here from a Bucks fan. Godwin or Evans rest of, of season? Both are fantastic. And will one running back finally emerge? This person's a Ronald Jones fan. They feel like he has to pop eventually. Compares to Elijah McGuire. And he, he notes Tampa's schedule moving forward. Arizona, Atlanta, Jacksonville, and Houston. So Godwin versus Evans and Ronald Jones. Uh, Godwin versus Evans, I, I I think they're both wide receiver one type options. Uh, the, the rest of their season schedule is really good, uh, so there's really not a reason to question them. I would go with Godwin just because it feels like he's the player that has a little bit more consistency. Where and and if they do play a team that has a shutdown cornerback on the other side of the field, like a like a Patrick Peterson that's coming up, uh, that's going to be Mike Evans who's going to be shadowed by that cornerback. So uh, Chris Godwin would be the one that I would rather own. Uh, in regards to Ronald Jones, again that timeshare, I was hoping that it would break uh, coming out of the bye and it didn't. Uh, uh, but knowing that the the schedule coming up, I'm doing I'm actually working on a an article that I do every week that uh, basically looks forward to the following week. So I tell you who to pick up so that you don't have to bid on these players when you're looking for streaming options. Excellent, uh, excellent. Yep. Yeah, and I put out on it's out on Saturday, so I'm researching it now. Uh, but Ronald Jones is someone that popped up in there is like he's he's now available in like 60% of leagues, which allows me to put him in that article. Which I'm like, oh, thank you. There's at least one running back I could put in there. Yeah. Uh, against Arizona because that's a team that uh, they. Like their overall numbers against running backs haven't, they don't look terrible, but it was more to do with like teams game planning through the air. Like you could just beat that team through the air and no team was running the ball. Uh, but you, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, teams are starting to run on them. Uh, so I think that Ronald Jones, there should be at least 15 touches in that game for him. So, um, yeah, I, after this week, I don't think he's going to have a good game in Seattle. Uh, but after this week, I, I definitely can see him bouncing back. All right, DFS time. Week nine on the horizon, Mike. It's time to win the million dollars here. Look into your crystal ball. Give me some DFS tournament gems. So one gem at each position, let's say QB, running back, wide receiver, and tight end that you think are really worth a shot here in DFS. What's hilarious is you said the million the million dollar thing, and like I legitimately just got done yelling at Bobby about that on our podcast because I was like, st- I, like the million dollar the millionaire maker is like the worst tournament to play. I, I, <laughs> I know, I, I, yeah, I know I what know you're asking. I no, I know what you're asking, but it's just like I, I want. I always want to remind people like stop playing the million maker. Like it's it's such a negative EV move. Like play in tournaments with fewer than a hundred thousand people. It's like you'll have much better success. Yeah, uh, but J- uh, Jameis Winston is someone that I love this week. It's sixty one hundred. Uh, the Seahawks have not been a good defense. And if you were to go through the teams that they've actually played this year, uh, like the quarterbacks, it is brutal. Like, I'm not kidding. So here's the list of quarterbacks they played. Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Matt Schaub. Despite playing that schedule, they've allowed six of eight quarterbacks to, to post the QB 14 or better performance. Jameis is showing a lot more consistency than people think. He's been a, a top 16 quarterback in each of the last five games. He has three top 10 finishes in that time. Chris Godwin should go off this week with him. Uh, so I do like Jameis Winston quite a bit. He's an easy player to stack with uh, quarterback. Running back, obviously in tournaments, you're going to have to go a little bit against the grain because you can't, like Christian McCaffrey's going to be owned, Dalvin Cook's going to be owned. I say Nick Chubb. Uh, the reason I say that is because at his price point of 7300 he's probably going to be a little bit lesser owned than, than he normally would be in a matchup like this against Denver, a team that allowed Leonard Fournette to run for over 200 yards. Um, 
they're struggling in the passing game. Odell Beckham's going to be shut down by Chris Harris Jr. So again, Chubb at lower ownership than he probably should have, considering the other options on the slate. Uh, wide receiver, going back to that Bucks Seahawks game, I'm going to I'm going to take DK Metcalf at 5700. I know he has the two touchdown game last week, but those were even fluke touchdowns. They were bad touchdowns. Like Atlanta just wasn't ready uh, for the snap when it happened. They didn't cover him. Uh, but I do love the spot where he lines up on the field. He gets like 90% of his production at left wide receiver, which is where um, the, basically the Bucks have just been hammered nonstop. Uh, I like Metcalf quite a bit. And then uh, going down into tournament tight end play, I think, well, Zach Ertz is probably going to be higher owned than people think, but at 4,700 on DraftKings, I mean, we chase targets at tight end position. Don't try and predict touchdowns because it just doesn't work. Um, it's the most volatile thing in all of fantasy, and that's why streaming tight ends is so hard. So just follow the targets. Zach Ertz is due for positive, like regression to the mean. Like he's only one target behind Travis Kelsey in terms of like uh, targets among tight ends. So he's getting the targets. We've, we've seen him produce in the league before. Uh, I know the Bears are a tough matchup, but at the same dare you to play them chase the targets right you got to stay true to the targets that's the only thing that you can rely on yes that's basically what it is and that's the tight end position i tell people all the time i'm like just follow the targets and like understand that things are going to be volatile and like even looking at tight ends like like production people look at oh this team allowed this many points to fantasy tight ends that's not always indicative of like what they how good or bad they are like so the patriots right they're a team that's number one against tight ends they've like literally they've only allowed 5.7 ppr points per game against them but if you look on a per target basis they've allowed 8.3 yards per target so it's just teams haven't targeted their tight ends enough against them because that's 10th most in the nfl so it's like that's the stuff that i try and dive into every single week to try and find those best streaming matchups well, Mike has been diving and trying to get those streaming matchups for you for years, and humans have also been shaving for thousands of years. The secret to a great shave has not changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need those heated handles, and neither do you. I use Harry's razors, and you certainly should as well. They don't overcharge you. They don't have gimmicky features on those razors. They focus on what matters, which is sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's. It gives me a great shave, easy glide, low price. So please check out harrys.com backslash blue wire for your free trial today. It's essential for me. Blade refills are delivered directly to the door with or without a subscription. No risk for you to try them out. If you don't love the shave, let them know they give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire. What you get there is a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, and rich lathering shave gel with the aloe that keeps your skin hydrated. Travel blade cover to keep the razor dry the whole bit. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire and start shaving better today i'm a gin martini guy mike tj hernandez loves the uh, he has an aversion to ipa some people love him he does not it's going back to my uh, flex leagues that i was working with people there i talked to people in in the uh, draft about what they like to drink so i'm curious taglier house friday night what's your drink of choice uh, I mean, it's probably like a, a summer shandy from Line of Googles. Uh, Ooh, if, nice. um, if that's the thing is like, so it, that's like my favorite tasting beer, I think. And I'm with TJ. IPAs are trash. Um, but uh, so summer shandy is only made obviously during the summer months. And so what my wife and I do, we always like buy a few extra cases of it and just like stick it off to the side uh, because it's something that we enjoy just like to have one or two here and there. Like I don't drink it like. If you want to get drunk, don't drink that. Like <laughs> that's not what you do. Like, but that's that's what I would choose if there was one. So are you a white claw guy here with Evan no, Silva? Hell no, no. <laughs> hell no. 
like, no, no, man. <laughs> I've actually tried him in Leica, but I, I, the summer shandy is a solid way to go for sure. No doubt about it's that. It's almost Can like, you- I, I almost feel like the White Claw thing, like, I refuse to drink it just because of, like, what it means to society. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the same It's the same reason that I, I posted on Twitter the other day. I have legitimately never said, put the letters L and then O and then L together in a text message. I've never said it out loud. That's why I just did it the way I did. I, I don't, for whatever reason, there's certain things that society does that just drive me nuts. So I just like totally avoid them. I, I totally understand that. Mike, it's fantasy football momentum time. Will these players keep their momentum off of their week eight performance? We'll assume half PPR for these. Chris Connolly, seven targets, four receptions, 103 yards and a touchdown. Westbrook is practicing. Look like he's going to play. What do you think about Chris Conley here? I mean, he's interesting, right? Like, if you're looking for a spot, the, the the problem I have with Conley here is that we need Houston to be able to put points on the board, and can they do that? So Deshaun Watson's played against Jacksonville four times in his career. He's only thrown two touchdowns in those games. So this game, I'm projecting it to be a little bit lower scoring than people think. Uh, it is the second divisional matchup between these two teams. I know Jalen Ramsey's no longer with the team, but there's still a good defense um, with a lot of solid parts in place. I just don't know what Watson's going to do, and if and if they're not required to throw the ball a whole lot, they're not going to. But but the Texans, I mean, this is a team that might be without three of their starting cornerbacks. Like, it, it's, it's really bad for them. They've allowed seven top 18 wide receivers in the last four games. So if you're looking for like a bye week replacement that, you know, might have a ceiling, Conley's a good play. Uh, I don't think I would trust him over some proven options that are locked into targets like someone like a DJ Moore or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think he's a solid bye week replacement for those in, in, in dire emergencies because he's available in like 90% of leagues. Yeah, I know this is narrative street, but Houston has never played in London and just weird stuff happens. Yep. I guess I'm scarred from the Mercedes Lewis three touchdown game. Oh, you know what I mean? So, I remember. <laughs> so you never know what can happen there. It's a little uncomfortable. Dallas Goddard, my crazy but plausible preseason hot take was that Goddard would outscore Zach Ertz. He gets the TDs. He's had a lot of TDs in his last five weeks. Obviously, they want to feed Ertz, but could Goddard sort of remain here as a low end tight end one, high end tight end two? two here with a, a pretty banged up Eagles receiving core. I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm down on Goddard this week in terms of like ECR versus like what I'm doing. Like he's much lower uh, because basically against the Bears, it's going to be tough for any tight end to produce because like over the last 23 games, this is st- going back to the start of last year over 23 games, one tight end has totaled more than 49 yards against them. And that was George Kittle, who saw 12 wow. targets. He saw 12 targets in that game. He finished with seven catches for 74 yards. So it's not like it was a mammoth performance to him either. So it's like you're, if there's going to be one tight end to perform in this game, they'd be lucky to have that. So I'll take the guy that is actually seeing more targets. I know that the production hasn't been there, but yeah, Goddard is a, is a sit for me this week. Return to the Giants. Only two catches last week for Darius Slayton, but both were touchdowns. He's got three TDs on the year. Wide receiver three or flex possibilities against the Cowboys? Nah, the Cowboys have been really good about keeping the play in front of them. Uh, going back to the start of the last year, they played a zone-heavy scheme. Uh, Darius Slayton had two big boy touchdowns last week. Those like they, they were like legit, like contested catch, like they were big boy touchdowns, like Des Bryant type touchdowns. Uh, but unfortunately, the target share is just—it's been inconsistent. And we did see that Sterling Shepard returned to a full practice today, uh, which means that he was—he's going to take away some targets, some snaps. So uh, unfortunately, no, no Slayton. And I pound the table for Anthony Miller. I think he's an under-the-radar play. Last few weeks, he led the Bears in receiving last week. Trubisky loves the slot receiver. Miller's even on the waiver wire in some leagues. 19 targets last three weeks. Slot receiver, Trubisky. Is he a sneaky waiver wire pickup? 
You know what? Uh, Bobby liked Anthony Miller too. I, I'm not. I, he was someone that I liked in the preseason. Like I, I felt like Anthony Miller, this could have been a breakout season, and I do like him as a player. And if it, I don't think the matchup is as good as people think, though. Like so, the Eagles, like they they have struggled against receivers, but it has not been slot receivers, which is where Miller plays like almost all of his snaps. Uh, looking through it, like Geronimo Allison, Cole Beasley, Danny Amendola, Muhammad Sanu, Randall Cobb, Jamison Crowder, none of those guys totaled more than four catches against um, the Eagles, and none of them totaled more than, I think, 52 yards. I think that was the max. So the match in the slot hasn't been like particularly great for slot receivers against the Eagles. That's just been, for whatever reason, that's just an area of the field that they're defending well. Uh, and Miller... He was on a good trajectory in terms of targets, and then all of a sudden he he wound up with three targets against the Chargers last week. So eh, it's just too ugly for me to do it. What's that best Christmas or birthday gift you really remember as a child? Uh, I remember every year. So um, the only Christmas or gift I ever wanted was I wanted the new pair of Jordan shoes when they came out. And because yep. I grew up in Chicago and I'm still in Chicago and um, Michael Jordan was like my idol growing up. So yep. uh, every year I just wanted to, uh, to the new pair of Jordan shoes. So it, it, it didn't even matter what else I got. Like my parents would get me some cool stuff. My grandparents would do this and whatever happened. I didn't even care. All I remember about the presents I got were that when I got the new Jordan shoes, I'd put them on. I, I'd legitimately sleep in them. Uh, I remember the white ones with the red jump man up by the ankle. I, I agree with you. I never took them <laughs> off. Fantastic. Yeah. I got this one on the Roto Underworld pod uh, just dropped today with Matt Kelly. Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook in Dynasty? Oh, that's man, that's a tough one. Um, Oh, I guess I'm 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 probably going to go with Dalvin Cook uh, just because like I don't as much as I I like Nick Chubb a lot uh, as much as I do. I don't know what's going to happen when when Kareem Hunt comes back on the field. If he's a guy that's going to wind up playing for them for multiple years like I know that you know, John Dorsey wanted to bring him back home and all this, whatever. Um, so is it possible that that's like one, another timeshare? I, I like Nick Chubb a lot. And I, I mean, but I'm, I'm probably going to go with Dalvin Cook here. I agree. It's the, it's the receptions. Now, it used to be Dalvin Cook if he can stay healthy, but we used to say that with Matthew Stafford, right? Matthew, if he can only stay healthy, mm-hmm. Stafford, then he did and he produced. So I think the production and the all-around skill set, you have to lean Cook. I agree. Has Aaron Jones finally reached that upper echelon RB1 status? He had this silly timeshare with Jamal Williams, Mike, who I refer to as James Starks, the same annoying <laughs> plotting guy that you just, you know, can you get one. out of the way? But now that we have LaFleur, now that last game last week, was huge because it really was massive production with Williams active, which was sort of the thing that I found there that sometimes when Williams is active, he's really reduced. So Aaron Jones, where do you rank him rest of season? Uh, I have him as my number six running back rest of season. So I do love him. Uh, I, my bold prediction before the start of the season would that Aaron Jones would be a top five pick in fantasy drafts next year. And we're trending in that direction. And it, it reminds me of the Chargers backfield, actually, uh, like Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, the last couple of years where, where Gordon was always like that top five running back. Eckler had some value too. Like he would get mixed in for, you know, seven to 12 touches per game. But Melvin Gordon, they would never give him more than, I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. All last year, Melvin Gordon never topped 19 carries. Like he never got to the 20 carry mark, which is like some people like were like, what? really um but they, they just didn't do it so it's like that's where i think aaron jones is at is like he's not a guy that is ever going to get like those 20 carries without jamal williams out of the lineup but he's being used 
a lot in the passing game, and that has tremendous value. It was it was weird watching last week because like Aaron Rodgers turned into Drew Brees. You know what I mean? Like the guy that's yep. targeting his yep. running backs a lot. Uh, they accounted for all three of his touchdowns. Uh, and Aaron Jones is like the dude is super good. Like he deserves the biggest workload there. Um, and I've been saying that for a while. And for those who said running backs don't matter, they, they do. They don't matter as much as to team success as like as NFL owners and GMs tend to think they do. But they do matter a little bit. Um, but Aaron Jones is yeah. I, I I love that dude. No, the great ones matter. And listen, Saquon Barkley is a legendary running back. They just have to make sure the Giants, they hit with Daniel Jones. If they hit with right. Daniel Jones, then it's fine. That's the king. But the great ones really do make a difference. And we're seeing it now with Aaron Jones. He is production. Pass run doesn't matter. It's fantastic. Well, think about the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. Like, what would they be? Right. Right. The legendary ones matter. Absolutely. It's time for Week 9 Lightning Round, which is sponsored by FFBCast. FFBCast records those custom podcasts for your fantasy leagues. One of the hosts break down the draft. They critique the poor decisions. You have ADP check-ins with Denny Carter. Why would you not want ADP check-ins with Denny Carter? FFBCast here. Opportunity to have those industry experts make guest appearances for you. Follow them on Twitter at FFBCast. Check them out. Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. And then go to www.ffbcast.com and you can start checking them out for your leagues. A week nine lightning round. Pick the player you think will have a better week nine performance. We'll go half PPR. Better running back smash spot, Mike. Leonard Fournette in England against Houston or Dalvin Cook at Arrowhead against the Chiefs? Dalvin Cook. Two road wide receivers who are in tricky spots. Terry McLaurin against that Bills secondary or Philip Dorsett against the improved Ravens secondary? Uh, McLaurin. Wide receivers, OBJ at Denver, Chris Harris was not traded, or DJ Moore to finally break out against Tennessee? DJ Moore. Better tight end play, Darren Waller against the Lions or Hunter Henry against the Packers? Darren Waller. What's the best sporting event, you person? <laughs> uh, this is a, this is a, this is one that can go in so many different ways, but I'm going to say the one that people would be like, wait, why would you say that? But I mean, I, I got to see the Bulls win uh, championships. Uh, my dad, he took us to Bulls games and like I, I, I'll forever remember those. But the one I'm going to say that is the, the most impactful is that I was at the Bears double doink game last year. Oh, um, <laughs> and that. That, that, that might be the best because it's like I've legitimately never felt like uh, the air sucked out of such a, a, a big crowd of people at once. Like we were watching and we were we happened to be in the corner of the end zone where that kick took place. And like, you know, when you're live at the game, sometimes when the ball goes off the upright, you can't see if it went through or if it's like you heard it doing and you're like. And then it hit again, and it was just like, oh, everybody's holding their breath. Nobody knows what's happening. And it's like collectively. And then all of a sudden it's just like we see the arms go parallel to the ground and it's just like, Oh my, it, it was like one of the, the most surreal experiences of my life. And unfortunately you saw a lot of bad qualities in people coming out when that happened, but it's something that I'll remember forever. Like my brother-in-law, we, we made a pact is that if the bears made the playoffs that we were going to go to the playoff game and uh, no matter the cost of the tickets. And so he told me right after that he was like he was one that was like oh i'm so mad that we spent money on these stupid tickets that we got to see this bears lose blah 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 and after a couple weeks that he simmered down like he realized what i was talking about it just he's like you know what that was an experience and it's something that not many people will get to say that they experienced so I, i would say that if you go to a big sporting event with a major crowd like a playoff game and you hear 
the the crowd just gets silent. I was at the Yankees in '96 when they won yeah. uh, Game Six, and, and fine, they won. But the the most the thing I'll most remember is when that last pop up was in the air and Charlie Hayes was going under it. The crowd <laughs> was totally silent. So those moments that occur in the large stadiums, pro or con, that's going to stick in your memory, right? Yes, no, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. Like to, to be at some cool games. I, I was at the White Sox game 163, which was the blackout. Oh, um, yeah. Jim Tomey, they won that game one nothing. That was really cool. Um, so it's just like there are some there's some cool sporting events I've been to, but that's the one that I remember most. All right, last question, Mike. Then we'll get you out of here. It's been amazing, uh, better than you could even imagine. And my expectations <laughs> were high. Awesome stuff. Sam Darnold said he saw ghosts, which triggered the biggest overreaction I think in the history of fantasy football. They have a very good schedule. The Jets moving forward here. I think Darnold's been crucified because he played the Patriots, who have a historic defense, and then he goes to Jacksonville. Do you think the Jets' skilled players, including Darnold, are by low moving forward? I do, in a way. I mean, I don't believe in Adam Gase, the coach. Um, I, I think he's actually, and I, I said that before this year, I didn't think it was just Miami. I think that he's just a bad coach. Uh, but the matchups they have coming up on the schedule are just too good. Like, I have Darnold ranked as a top 12 quarterback this week against Miami. And if there's anybody childish enough to, like, literally hold a grudge, it, it's Adam Gase. And they could, like, literally put their foot down. And by the way... They're going to be playing Miami again in week 14, which is the first week of fantasy playoffs. So, yeah, I I do think Darnold bounces back. I think people forget that legitimately two weeks ago, people were talking about Darnold being the next great quarterback when he threw for 338 yards and and two or three touchdowns against the Cowboys. So, uh, yeah, I I do think that they're by lows um, in in matchups like this. Like this is this is a streamer's delight right here. Mike Taglier, folks. He kills it. He doesn't sleep. He thinks about uh, Trey Carson in the middle of the night. Fantastic fantasy analyst, NFL writer, analyst for Fantasy Pros, co-host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast there. Have to follow him on Twitter at Mike Taglier NFL. Just an amazing guy. Gave us a few minutes and just so much robust content. Can't thank you enough, Mike. That was awesome, man. Well done. No, thank you so much for having me on, man. I, like I said, I, I enjoy talking football. It's nice to talk to another human rather than just like speaking with my words to well, a <laughs> word document. <laughs> Nobody does it better. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.